0: Inhaled anesthetics. Commonly administered inhaled anesthetics include the inorganic gas nitrous oxide and the volatile liquids isofluorine, desfluorine, and sevoflurane. Halothene and n are administered infrequently but are included in the discussion of comparative pharmacology of volatile anesthetics since halothene in particular has been studied extensively. The vapor pressure of nitrous oxide is it's a gas The vapor pressure of halothane is 244. Vapor pressure of n-fluorine is 172. Vapor pressure of isofluorine is 240. Vapor pressure of desfluorine is 669. And of seboflurine, the vapor pressure is 170. The boiling point of halothane is 50.2 degrees Celsius n-fluorine boiling point 50.6 degrees Celsius, isofluorine boiling point 48.5 degrees Celsius, desfluorine 22.8 degrees Celsius, and CBO-fluorine 58.5 degrees Celsius. The blood gas partition coefficient of nitrous oxide is 0.46. Blood gas partition coefficient of halothane is 2.54. Of n-fluorine is 1.9. Blood gas partition coefficient of isofluorine is 1.46. Blood gas partition coefficient of desfluorine is 0.42. And of sievofluorine is 0.69. MAC of nitrous oxide is 104. Of halothane is 0.75. Of n-fluorine is 1.63. Of isofluorine is 1.17. MAC of desfluorine is 6.6 and MAC of CO fluorine is 1.8. Volatile liquids are administered as vapors after their vaporization in devices known as vaporizers. Diethyl ether and chloroform are still available, but mostly used in veterinary medicine. Xenon is an inert gas with anesthetic properties, but its clinical use is hindered by its high cost. Nitrous oxide is a low molecular weight odorless to sweet-smelling non-inflammable gas of low potency and poor blood solubility. The blood gas partition coefficient is 0.46 that is most commonly administered in combination with opioids or volatile anesthetics to produce general anesthesia. Although nitrous oxide is non flammable it will support combustion. Its poor, poor blood solubility permits Permits rapid achievement of an alveolar and brain partial pressure of the drug. The analgesic effects of nitrous oxide are prominent, but short-lived, dissipating after about 20 minutes of the use while sedative effects persist. Nitrous oxide causes minimal skeletal muscle relaxation. The speculated role of nitrous oxide in post-op nausea and vomiting is controversial. Although much studied, the results of the double blind randomized trial have been varied. Nitrous oxide has no effect on tissue PO2 measurements, but does cause a small increase in the P50, about 1.6 millimeters of mercury. The benefits of nitrous oxide must be balanced against its possible adverse effects related to high volume absorption of nitrous oxide in gas containing spaces potential increase in the risk of post-operative non- nausea and vomiting and its ability to inactivate vitamin B12. Halothane is a halogenated alkane derivative that exists as a clear, non-inflammable liquid at room temperature. The vapor of this liquid has a sweet, non-pungent odor. An intermediate solubility in blood combined with high potency permits intermediate onset and recovery from anesthesia using halothane alone or in combination with nitrous oxide or injected drugs such as opioids. Halothane was developed on the basis of predictions that its halogenated structure would provide non-flammability, intermediate blood solubility, anesthetic potency, and molecular stability. Specifically, carbon fluorine decreases flammability, and the trifluorocarbon contributes to mo- molecular stability. The presence of a carbon chloride and carbon bromine bond plus the retention of a hydrogen atom ensures the anesthetic potency. Despite its chemical stability, halothane is susceptible to decomposition to hydrochloric acid, hydrobromic acid, acid, chloride bromide, and phosgene. For this reason, halothane is stored in an amber color bottle, and thymol is added as a preservation to prevent spontaneous oxidation decomposition. Thymol that remains in vaporizers after vaporization of haline can cause vaporizers, turnstiles, or temperature. Compensating devices to malfunction. N fluorine is a halogenated methyl ether methyl ethyl ether that exists as a clear, non-flammable, volatile liquid at room temperature and has a pungent etheral odor. Its intermediate solubility in blood combined with high potency permits intermediate onset and recovery from anesthesia using N alone or in combination with nitrous oxide or injected drugs such as opioids. M-fluorine decreases the threshold for seizures. M-fluorine is oxidized in the liver to produce inorganic fluoride ions that can be nephrotoxic. It is used primarily for procedures in which low threshold for seizure generation is desirable, such as ECT therapy. Isofluorine is a halogenated methyl ethyl ether that exists as a clear, non-flammable liquid at room temperature and has a pungent etheral odor. Its intermediate solubility in blood combined with high potency permits intermediate onset and recovery from anesthesia using isofluorine alone or in combination with nitrous oxide or injected drugs such as opioids. Although isofluorine is an isomer of n their manufacturing processes are not similar. The compounds used at the start of manufacturing are different, with 222 trifluoroethanol the starting compound for isofluorine and chlorotrifluoroethylene for n the subsequent purification of isofluorine by distillation is complex and expensive. Isofluorine is characterized by extreme physical stability undergoing no detectable deterioration during five years of storage or on exposure to carbon dioxide absorbance or sunlight. The stability of isofluorine obviates the need to add preservatives such as thymol to the commercial preparation. Desflurane is a fluorinated methyl ethyl ether that differs from isofluorine only by substitution of a fluorine atom for the chlorine atom found on the alpha ether component of isofluorine. Fluorination, rather than chlorination, increases the vapor pressure and decreases intermolecular attraction, enhances le- molecular stability, and decreases potency. Indeed, the vapor pressure of desfluorine exceeds that of isofluorine by a factor of three, such as desfluorine would boil at normal operating room temperatures, a new vaporizer technology addressed this property, producing a regulated concentration by converting desfluorine to gas, heated and pressurized vaporizer that requires electrical power, which is then blended with dilutant fresh gas flow. The only evidence of metabolism of desfluorine is the presence of measurable concentrations of serum and urinary trifluoroacetate that are one-fifth to one-tenth those produced by metabolism of isofluorine. The potency of desfluorine, are reflected by MAC, as reflected by MAC, is about five-fold less than isofluorine. Unlike halothane and sevoflurane, desfluorine is pungent, making it unlikely that inhalation induction of anesthesia would be feasible or pleasant for the patient. Indeed, the pungency of desfluorine produces airway irritation and an appreciable incidence of sal- salivation, breath-holding, coughing, or laryngospasm when greater than 6% carbon monoxide results from de- degradation of desfluorine by the strong base present in desiccated carbon dioxide absorbance desfluorine produces the highest carbon monoxide concentration followed by n-fluorine and isofluorine whereas amounts produced from halothane and sevoflurane are trivial solubility characteristics the blood gas partition coefficient is 0.45 which makes Solubility characteristics with a blood gas partition coefficient of 0.5 and a potency with MAC of a 6.6 permit rapid achievement of an alveolar partial pressure necessary for anesthesia followed by prompt awakening when desfluorine is discontinued. It is this lower blood gas solubility and more precise control over delivery of anesthesia and more rapid recovery from anesthesia that distinguish desfluorine from earlier volatile anesthetics. Sevoflurane is a fluorinated methyl isopropyl ether. The vapor pressure of sevoflurane resembles that of halothane and isoflurane, permitting delivery of this gas via a conventional unheated vaporizer. The solubility of sevoflurane, bl- with a blood gas partition coefficient of 0.69, resembles that of desflurane, ensuring prompt induction of anesthesia and recovery after discontinuation of an anesthetic. Compared with isofluorine, recovery from sevoflurane anesthesia is 3 to 4 minutes faster, and the difference is magnified in longer duration, with surgical procedures greater than 3 hours. sevoflurane is non-pungent, has minimal odor, produces bronchodilation similar to the degree in isofluorine, and causes the least degree of airway irritation among the currently available volatile anesthetics. For these reasons, sevoflurane, like halothane, is acceptable for inhalation induction of anesthesia. Sevoflurane may be 100-fold more vulnerable to metabolism than desflurane, with an estimated 3 to 5% of the dose undergoing biodegradation. The resulting metabolites include inorganic fluoride and hexafluoroisopropanol. The chemical structure of sevoflurane is such that it cannot undergo metabolism to acyl halide. Sevoflurane metabolism does not result in the formation of trifluoroacetylated liver proteins, and therefore cannot stimulate the formation of anti-trifluoroacetylated protein antibodies. In this regard, sevoflurane differs from halifla- halothane, enflurane, isoflurane, and desflurane, all of which are metabolized to reactive acetylhalide halide intermediates with the potential to produce hepatotoxicity as well as cross-sensitivity between drugs. Sevoflurane is the least likely volatile anesthetic to, com- to form carbon monoxide on exposure to carbon dioxide absorbance. In contrast to other volatile anesthetics, sebofluorine breaks down in the presence of the strong bases present in carbon dioxide absorbance to form compounds that are toxic in animals. The principal degradation product is fluoromethyl-2, 2-difluoro-1 trifluoromethyl vinyl ether, or known as compound A. Compound A is a dose-dependent nephrotoxin in rats, causing renal proximal tubular injury. Although this finding is a concern, the levels of these compounds that occur during administration of sevoflurane to patients are far below speculated toxic levels, even when total gas flows are 1 liter per minute. Pharmacokinetics of Inhaled Anesthetics The pharmacokinetics of inhaled anesthetics describes their absorption or uptake from alveoli into the pulmonary capillary blood, distribution in the body, metabolism, and elimination, principally via the lungs. The pharmacokinetics of volatile anesthetics may be influenced by aging, reflecting decreases in lean body body mass and increases in body fat. The volume of distribution of the central compartment or plasma volume is smaller, whereas the apparent steady state for these drugs in the elderly is larger, or volume distribution in the elderly is larger, especially for those anesthetics most soluble in fat. In addition, impaired pulmonary gas exchange may decrease anesthetic clearance with age. Furthermore, reduced cardiac output in the elderly decreases tissue perfusion, increases time constants, and may be associated with an altered regional distribution of anesthetics. Opposite effects on the pharmacokinetics of inhaled anesthetics might be expected in the very young. A series of partial pressure gradients beginning at at the anesthetic machine serve to propel the inhaled anesthetic across the various barriers, the alveoli, the capillaries, and cell membranes, to their sites of action in the CNS. The principal objective of inhalation anesthesia is to achieve a constant and optimal brain partial pressure of the inhaled anesthetic. The brain and all other tissues equilibrate with the partial pressures of inhaled anesthetics delivered to them by arterial blood, or PA. Likewise, arterial blood equilibrates with the alveolar partial pressures of anesthetics. This emphasizes that the... the, Alveolar partial pressure of inhaled anesthetics mirrors the brain partial pressure at steady state. This is the reason that alveolar partial pressure is used as an index of depth of anesthesia, recovery from anesthesia and and anesthetic equal potency, the main alveolar concentration. It is important to recognize that equilibration between the two phases means the same partial pressures exist in both phases. Equilibration does not mean equality of concentration in 2 biophases. Understanding those factors that determine the alveolar partial pressure, and thus the brain partial pressure, commits control of doses of inhaled anesthetics delivered to the brain so as to maintain a constant optimal depth of anesthesia. This relationship is applicable because volatile anesthetics are only minima, minimally metabolized and as such are excreted from the lung. The availability of online readout of end tidal partial pressure, which at equilibrium matches brain partial pressure, makes volatile anesthetic dosing easier than IV anesthetic dosing. Determinants of alveolar partial pressure. The alveolar partial pressure and ultimately brain partial pressure of inhaled anesthetics are determined by input or delivery into the alveolus minus the uptake or loss of the drug from the alveoli into arterial blood. Input of anesthetics into the alveoli depends on the inhaled partial pressure, the alveolar ventilation, and characteristics of anesthetic breathing or delivery system. Uptake of inhaled anesthetics from alveoli into the pulmonary capillary blood depends on the solubility of the anesthetic in body tissues, the cardiac output, and the alveolar to venous partial pressure differences. Inhaled partial pressure. A high inhaled partial pressure delivered from the anesthetic machine is required during initial administration of the anesthetic. A high initial input offsets the impact of uptake, accelerating the induction of anesthesia as reflected by the rate of rise in the alveolar partial pressure and thus brain partial pressure. With time, as uptake into the blood decreases, that inhaled partial pressure should be decreased to match the decreased anesthetic uptake and therefore maintain a constant and optimal brain partial pressure. If the inhaled partial pressure is maintained constant with time, the alveolar partial pressure and brain partial pressure will increase progressively as uptake diminishes. The concentration effect. The impact of inhaled partial pressure on the rate of rise of the alveolar partial pressure of an inhaled anesthetic is known as the concentration effect. The concentration effect states that the higher the inhaled partial pressure, the more rapidly the alveolar partial pressure approaches the inhaled partial pressure. The higher inhaled partial pressure provides anesthetic molecule input to offset uptake and thus speeds the rate at which the alveolar partial pressure increases. The concentration effect results from a concentrating effect and an augmentation of tracheal inflow. The concentrating effect re- reflects concentration of the inhaled anesthetic in a smaller lung volume due to uptake of gases of all gases in the lung. At the same time, anesthetic input via tracheal inflow is increased to fill the space void produced by uptake of the gases. The second gas effect reflects the ability of high volume uptake of one gas the first gas to accelerate the rate of the increase of the alveolar partial pressure of a concurrently administered companion gas, the second gas. For example, the initial large volume uptake of nitrous oxide accelerates the uptake of companion gases such as oxygen and volatile anesthetics. This increased uptake of the second gas reflects increased tracheal inflow of all inhaled anesthetics of all inhaled gases the first and the second and higher concentration of the second gas or gases in a smaller lung volume concentrating effect due to high volume uptake of the first gas. Conceptually the loss of lung volume may be compensated for by decreased expired ventilation as well as increased inspired ventilation or increased tracheal inflow. The implication that extra gas is routinely drawn into the lungs to compensate for loss of lung volume is misleading if compensatory changes include decreased expired ventilation and or decrease in lung volume. Alveolar Ventilation Increased alveolar ventilation, like inhaled partial pressure, promotes input of anesthetics to offset uptake. The net effect is a more rapid rate of increase in the alveolar partial pressure toward the inhaled partial pressure and thus induction of anesthesia. In addition to the increased input, the decreased PaCO2 produced by hyperventilation of the lungs decreases cerebral blood flow. Conceivably, the impact of increased input on the rate of rise of the alveolar partial pressure would be offset by decreased delivery of anesthetic to the brain. Decreased alveolar ventilation decreases input, and thus slows the establishment of a PA and P brain necessary for the induction of anesthesia. The greater the alveolar ventilation to functional residual capacity ratio, or FRC, the more rapid is the rate of increase in alveolar partial pressure. In neonates, this ratio is about five to one, compared with only 1.5 to one in adults reflecting the greater metabolic rate in neonates compared with adults. As a result, the rate of increase of alveolar partial pressure toward the inhaled partial pressure and thus the induction of anesthesia is more rapid in neonates than in adults. Spontaneous versus mechanical ventilation Inhaled anesthetics influence their own uptake by virtue of dose-dependent depressant effects on alveolar ventilation. This, in effect, is a negative feedback protective mechanism that prevents establishment of an excessive depth of anesthesia. Delivery of anesthesia is decreased when ventilation is decreased, when a high PI is administered during spontaneous breathing. As anesthetic input decreases in parallel with decreased ventilation, anesthetic present in tissues is redistributed from tissues in which it is present in high concentrations the brain to other tissues in which it presents in low concentrations such as skeletal muscles. When the concentration or partial pressure in the brain decreases to a certain threshold ventilation increases and delivery of the anesthetic to the lungs increases. This protective mechanism against development of excessive depth of anesthesia or anesthetic overdose is lost when mechanical ventilation of the lungs replaces spontaneous breathing. Impact of solubility. The impact of changes in alveolar ventilation on the rate of increase in the alveolar partial pressure toward the inhaled partial pressure depends on the solubility of the anesthetic gas in the blood. For example, changes in alveolar ventilation influence the rate of increase of the alveolar pressure of a soluble anesthetic more than poorly soluble anesthetic. Indeed, the rate of increase in the alveolar partial pressure of nitrous oxide is rapid regardless of the alveolar ventilation. This occurs because uptake of nitrous oxide is limited because of its poor solubility in blood. Conversely, uptake of a more soluble of a more blood soluble anesthetic is larger and increasing alveolar ventilation will accelerate the rate at which the alveolar partial pressure of the soluble anesthetic approaches the inhaled partial pressure. This emphasizes that changing from spontaneous breathing to mechanical or controlled ventilation of the lungs, which is also likely to be associated with increased alveolar ventilation, will probably increase the depth of anesthesia and alveolar partial pressure produced by a more blood soluble anesthetic. Blood gas partition coefficient. The rate of increase of alveolar partial pressure toward inhaled partial pressure maintained constant by mechanical ventilation of the lungs is inversely related to the solubility of the anesthetic in blood. Based on their blood gas partition coefficients, inhaled anesthetics are categorized traditionally as soluble, intermediately soluble, and poorly soluble. Blood be- can be considered a pharmacologically inactive reservoir the size of which is determined by the solubility of the anesthetic in blood. When the blood gas partition coefficient is high, a large amount of anesthetic must be dissolved in the blood before the arterial partial pressure equilibrates with the alveolar partial pressure. For example, the high solubility of methoxyfluorine slows the rate at which the alveolar partial pressure and arterial partial pressure increase relative to the inhaled partial pressure and the induction of anesthesia is slow. The impact of high blood solubility on the rate of increase of the arterial partial pressure can be offset by some extent by increasing the inhaled partial pressure above that required for the maintenance of anesthesia. This is termed the overpressure technique, this is termed the overpressure technique and may be used to speed the induction of anesthesia, recognizing that sustained delivery of high inhaled partial pressure will result in an anesthetic overdose. When blood solubility is low, minimal amounts of inhaled anesthetic must be dissolved before before equilibration is achieved. Therefore, the rate of increase in alveolar partial pressure and arterial partial pressure and thus onset of drug effects such as induction of anesthesia are rapid. For example, the inhalation of a constant inhaled partial pressure of nitrous oxide, desfluorine, or sebofluorine for about 10 minutes results in an arterial partial pressure that is greater than 80% of the inhaled partial pressure. Use of an overpressure technique with SIBO fluorine is most readily accepted by patients because this anesthetic is less pungent than does fluorine. Indeed, one or more vital capacity breasts of high concentrations of SIBO fluorine, 7% SIBO with 66 nitrous oxide, may result in loss of the eyelash reflex. Association with the rapid increase of arterial partial pressure of nitrous oxide is the absorption of several liters, up to 10 liters, during the first 10 to 15 minutes of this gas reflecting its common administration at inhaled concentrations of 60 to 70 percent. This high volume absorption of nitrous oxide is responsible for several unique effects of nitrous oxide when it is administered in the presence of volatile anesthetics, or air-containing cavities. Percutaneous loss of inhaled anesthetic occurs but is too small to influence the rate of increase in our alveolar pressure. With the possible exception of methoxyfluorine, the magnitude of metabolism of inhaled anesthetics is too small. The magnitude of metabolism of inhaled anesthetics is too small to influence the rate of increase of the alveolar pressure. This lack of effects relax. This lack of effect reflects the large excess of anesthetic molecules administered and the saturation by anesthetic concentrations of inhaled drugs of enzymes responsible for anesthetic metabolism. Blood gas partition coefficients are altered by individual variations in water, lipid, and protein content and by the hematocrit of whole blood. For example, blood gas partition coefficients are about 20% less in blood with a hematocrit of 21% compared with a hematocrit of 43%. Presumably, this decreased solubility reflects the decrease in lipid-dissolving sites normally provided by erythrocytes. Conceivably, decreased solubility of a volatile anesthetic in anemic blood would manifest as an increased rate of increase in the alveolar partial pressure and a more rapid induction of anesthesia. Ingestion of a fatty meal alters the composition of blood, resulting in about 20% increase in the solubility of volatile anesthetics in blood. The solubility of inhaled anesthetics in blood can vary with age. The blood solubilities of halothane and fluorine, methoxyfluorine and isofluorine are about 18% less in neonates and the elderly compared to young adults. In contrast, the solubility of the less soluble anesthetic sevoflurane, presumably also true for desflurane, is not different in neonates and adults. Tissue-blood partition coefficients. Tissue blood partition coefficients determine uptake of anesthetic into tissues and the time necessary for equilibration of tissues with the arterial partial pressure. This time for equilibration can be estimated by calculating a time constant, the amount of inhaled anesthetic that can be dissolved in the tissue divided by tissue blood flow for each tissue. One time constant on an exponential curve represents 63% equilibration. 3 time constants are equal to 95% equilibration. For volatile anesthetics, equilibration between arterial partial pressure and brain partial pressure depends on the anesthetic's blood solubility and requires 5-15 to minutes, 3 time constraints. Fat has an enormous capacity to hold anesthetic, and this characteristic, combined with low blood flow to this tissue, prolongs the time required to narrow anesthetic partial pressure differences between arterial blood and fat. For example, equilibration of fat with isofluorine based on this drug's fat-blood partition coefficient, and an assumed fat blood flow of two to three milliliters per minute per 100 gram fat, is estimated to be 25 to 46 hours. Fasting before elective operation results in transport of fat to the liver, which could increase anesthetic uptake by this organ and modestly slow the rate of increase in alveolar partial pressure. Of a volatile anesthetic during induction of anesthesia. Oil gas partition coefficients parallel anesthetic requirements. For example, an estimated MAC can be calculated as 150 divided by the oil gas partition coefficient. The constant 150 is the average value of the product of oil gas solubility and MAC for several inhaled anesthetics with widely divergent lipid solubilities. Using this content, Using this constant, the calculated MAC for a theoretical anesthetic with an oil gas partition coefficient of 100 would be 1.5%. Nitrous oxide transfer to closed gas spaces. The blood gas partition coefficient of nitrous oxide, 0.46, is about 34 times greater than that of nitrogen, which is 0.014. This differential solubility means that nitrous oxide can leave the blood to enter an air-filled cavity 34 times more rapidly than nitrogen can leave the cavity to enter blood. As a result of this preferential transfer of nitrous oxide, the volume or pressure of an air-filled cavity increases. Passage of nitrous oxide into an air-filled cavity surrounded by a compliant wall, such as intestinal gas, pneumothorax, pulmonary blebs, and air bubbles, causes the gas to expand. Conversely, passage of nitrous oxide into an air-filled cavity surrounded by a non-compliant wall such as middle ear, cerebral ventricles, or supratentorial space causes an increase in intercavity pressure. The magnitude of volume or pressure increase is influenced by the partial pressure of nitrous oxide, blood flow to the air-filled cavity, and duration of nitrous oxide administration. Air bubbles or emboli can also expand rapidly when exposed to nitrous oxide. Cardiopulmonary bypass. Cardiopulmonary bypass produces changes in blood gas solubility that depend on the constituents of the priming solution and temperature. Nevertheless, the overall effect of the hypothermic cardiopulmonary bypass and a crystalline prime on blood gas solubility is only 2%. Volatile anesthetics initiated during cardiopulmonary bypass take longer to equilibrate, whereas the same drugs already present when the cardiopulmonary bypass initiated are diluted potentially decreasing the depth of anesthesia. Cardiac output. Cardiac output and pulmonary blood flow increases uptake and therefore alveolar partial pressure by carrying away either more or less anesthetic from the alveoli. An increased cardiac output results in more rapid uptake. So the rate of increase in the alveolar partial pressure and thus the induction of anesthesia are slowed A decrease in cardiac output speeds the rate of the increase in alveolar partial pressure because there is less uptake to oppose the input. The effect of cardiac output on the rate of increase in the alveolar pressure may seem paradoxical. For example, the uptake of more drugs by an increased cardiac output should speed the rate of increase of partial pressure in tissues and thus narrow the alveolar and volume distribution for anesthetics. Indeed, an increase in cardiac output does hasten equilibrium, uh, equilibration of tissue anesthetic partial pressures with the, alveolar, with the arterial pressure, but nevertheless the arterial partial pressure is lower than it would be if cardiac output were no, normal. Conceptually, a change in cardiac output is analogous to the effect of a change in solubility. For example, doubling cardiac output increases the capacity of blood to hold anesthetic, just as solubility increases the capacity of the same volume of blood. As with alveolar ventilation, changes in cardiac output most influence the rate of increase of the alveolar pressure of a soluble anesthetic. Conversely, the rate of increase of of the alveolar partial pressure of a poorly soluble anesthetic, such as nitrous oxide, is rapid regardless of physiologic deviations of the cardiac output around its normal value. As a result, changes in cardiac output exert little influence on the rate of increase of alveolar pressure of nitrous oxide. In contrast, doubling the cardiac output will greatly increase the uptake of a soluble anesthetic from alveoli, slowing the rate of increase in alveolar partial pressure. Conversely, a low cardiac output, such as this shock, could produce an unexpectedly high alveolar partial pressure of a soluble anesthetic. Volatile anesthetics that depress cardiac output can exert a positive feedback response that contrasts with the negative or protective feedback response on spontaneous breathing exerted by these drugs. For example, decreases in cardiac output due to an excessive dose of volatile anesthetic resulted in an increase in the alveolar pressure which further increases anesthetic depth and thus cardiac depression. The administration of a volatile anesthetic that depresses cardiac output plus controlled ventilation of the lungs results in a situation characterized by unopposed input of anesthetic via alveolar ventilation combined with decreased uptake because of decreased cardiac output. The net effect of this combination of events can be unexpected, abrupt increase in the alveolar partial pressure and an excessive depth of anesthesia. Impact of a shunt In the absence of intracardiac or intrapulmonary right-to-left shunt, it is valid to assume that the alveolar pressure and the arterial pressure of inhaled anesthetics are essentially identical. When a right-to-left shunt is present, the diluting effect of of the shunted blood on the partial pressure of an anesthetic in blood coming from ventilated alveoli results in a decrease in the arterial pressure and a slowing of the induction of anesthesia. Monitoring the end-tidal concentration of anesthetic or carbon dioxide reveals a gradient between the alveolar pressure and arterial pressure in which the alveolar pressure underestimates the arterial pressure. A similar mechanism is responsible for the decrease in PaO2 and the gradient between alveolar pressure and arterial pressure in the presence of a right-to-left shunt. The relative impact of a right-to-left shunt on the rate of increase in arterial pressure depends on the solubility of the anesthetic. For example, a right-to-left shunt slows the rate of increase of the arterial pressure of a poorly soluble anesthetic more than that of a soluble anesthetic. This occurs because uptake of a soluble anesthetic offsets dilutional effects of shunted blood on the arterial pressure. Uptake of a poorly soluble drug is minimal, and dilutional effects on the arterial pressure are relatively unopposed. This impact of solubility in the presence of a right-to-left shunt is opposite to that observed with changes in cardiac output and alveolar ventilation. All factors considered, it seems unlikely that a right-to-left shunt alone will alter the speed of induction of an anesthetic significantly. Left-to-right tissue shunts, such as an AV fistula's volatile anesthetic-induced increases in cutaneous blood flow result in delivery to the lungs of blood containing higher partial pressure of anesthetic than that present in the blood that is passed to tissues. As a result, left-to-right shunt offsets the dilutional effects of right-to-left shunt on the arterial pressure. Indeed, the effects of a left-to-right shunt on the rate of increase in the arterial pressure is detected only if there is a concomitant presence of right-to-left shunt. Alveolar to venous partial pressure differences. The alveolar venous difference reflects tissue uptake of the inhaled anesthetic. Tissue uptake affects uptake at the lung by controlling the rate of increase of the mixed venous partial pressure of the anesthetic. Factors that determine the fraction of anesthetic anesthesia removed from the blood transversing a p- tissue parallel those factors that determine uptake at the lungs, tissue solubility, tissue blood flow, and arterial tissue partial pressure differences. Highly perfused tissues, such as the brain, heart, and kidneys, in the adult account for less than 10% of body mass, but receive 75% of the cardiac output. As a result of the small mass and high blood flow, these tissues are known as the vessel-rich group tissues and equilibrate rapidly with the arterial pressure. Recovery from anesthesia. Recovery from anesthesia is depicted by the rate of decrease in the partial pressure in the brain as reflected by the partial pressure in the alveoli. The rate of washout of anesthetic from the brain should be rapid because inhaled anesthetics are not highly soluble in brain and the brain receives a large fraction of the cardiac output. Although similarities exist between the rate of induction and recovery, as reflected by changes in the alveolar pressure of the inhaled anesthetic, there are important differences between the two events. In contrast to induction of anesthesia, which may be accelerated by the concentration effect, it is not possible to speed the decrease of alveolar pressure by this mechanism. Furthermore, at the conclusion of every anesthetic, the concentration of inhaled anesthetic in the tissues depends highly on the solubility of the inhaled drug and the duration of administration. This contrasts with tissue concentrations of zero at the initiation of induction of anesthesia. The failure of certain tissues to reach equilibrium with the alveolar partial pressure of the inhaled anesthetic drug during maintenance of anesthesia means that the rate of decrease of the alveolar pressure during recovery from anesthesia will be more rapid than the rate of increase of the alveolar pressure during induction of anesthesia. Indeed, after a prolonged anesthetic, skeletal muscles probably and fat almost certainly will not have equilibrated with alveolar pressure of the inhaled anesthetic. Thus, when inspired pressure of anesthetic is abruptly decreased to zero, at the conclusion of the anesthetic, these tissues initially cannot contribute to the transfer of the drug back to the blood for delivery, to the liver for metabolism, or to the lungs for exhalation. As long as the gradient exists between the arterial pressure and tissues, the tissues will continue to take up the anesthetic. Thus, during recovery from anesthesia, the continued passage of anesthetic from blood to tissues, such as fat, acts to speed the rate of decrease in the alveolar pressure of that anesthetic. Continued tissue uptake of anesthetic will depend on the solubility of the inhaled anesthetic and the duration of anesthesia, with the impact being most important with soluble anesthetics. For example, time to recovery is prolonged in proportion to the duration of anesthesia for soluble anesthetics such as isoflurane and halothane. Whereas the impact of duration of anesthetic time to recovery is minimal with poorly soluble anesthetics such as SIBO and desfluorine. Contact sensitive half time. Diffusion epoxia occurs when inhalation of nitrous oxide is discontinued abruptly, leading to a reversal of partial pressure gradients such that nitrous oxide leaves the blood to enter the alveoli. The initial high volume outpouring of nitrous oxide from the blood into the alveoli can so dilute the alveolar PO2 that the arterial PO2 decreases. In addition to the dilution of the alveolar PO2 by nitrous oxide, there is also dilution of the alveolar PCO2, which decreases the stimulus to breathe. This decreased stimulus to breathe This decreased stimulus to breathe exaggerates the impact of the arterial PO2 of the outpouring of nitrous oxide into the alveoli. Outpouring of nitrous oxide into the alveoli is greatest during the first one to five minutes after its discontinuation at the conclusion of anesthesia. Thus, it is common practice to fill the lungs with oxygen at the end of anesthesia to ensure that arterial hypoxemia will not occur as a result of the dilution of the alveolar PO2 by nitrous oxide pharmacodynamics of inhaled anesthetics. Minimum alveolar concentration. The MAC of an inhaled anesthetic is defined as that concentration at one atmosphere that prevents skeletal muscle movement in response to a supermaximal painful stimulus, such as surgical skin incision, in 50% of patients. MAC is an anesthetic 50% effective dose, or ED50. Immobility produced by inhaled anesthetics, as measured by MAC, is mediated principally by effects of these drugs on the spinal cord, and only a minor component of immobility results from cerebral effects. MAC is among the most useful concepts in anesthetic pharmacology, as it establishes a common measure of potency, or a partial pressure at steady state, for inhaled anesthetics. This concept is used to provide uniformity in dosages of inhaled anesthetics to establish relative amounts of inhaled anesthetics to reach specific endpoints and to guide the search for mechanisms responsible for mechanics of anesthetic action. A unique feature of MAC is its consistency varying only 10 to 15% among individuals. This small degree of pharmacodynamic variability for inhaled anesthetics is unique in pharmacology. The use of equally potent doses of inhaled anesthetics is mandatory for comparing effects of these drugs not only at the spinal cord but at all other organs. MAC awake is the concentration of anesthetic that prevents consciousness in 50% of persons. It is about half the MAC it is about half of a MAC and that MAC memory is the concentration of anesthetic that is associated with amnesia in 50% of patients. It is significantly less than MAC awake. Comparative minimum alveolar concentrations of inhaled anesthetics. The mac of nitrous oxide is 104, halothane is 0.75, enflurane is 1.63, isofluorine is 1.17, desfluorine is 6.6, sevofluorine is 1.80. Inhalation anesthetic requirements are, um- are remarkably uniform in humans, mainly being affected by age and body temperature. MAC allows a quantitative analysis of effect, if any, of various physiologic and pharmacologic factors on anesthetic requirements. Gender does not influence MAC. Although most most reports describe MAC as independent of the duration of anesthesia, there is evidence that MAC for isoflurane decreases during the administration of anesthesia and the performance of surgery. The effect of cardiopulmonary bypass on MAC is uncertain. MAC values may vary with the type of stimulus. Tetanic stimulation and trapezius squeeze are considered non-invasive stimulation patterns that are relatively equivalent to surgical skin incision. Although in contrast to skin incision, these events can be repeated. Tracheal intubation requires the highest MAC to prevent skeletal muscle responses and may represent a true submaximal stimulation. Factors that increase MAC include hyperthermia, red hair, drug-induced increases in central nervous system catecholamine levels, cyclosporine, and hypernatremia. Decreases in MAC are caused by hypothermia, increasing age, pre-op medication, drug-induced decreases in central nervous system catecholamine levels, alpha-2 agonists, acute alcohol ingestion, pregnancy, postpartum, lithium, lidocaine, Neuraxial opioids. PaO2 less than 38 millimeters of mercury. Mean blood pressure less than 40 millimeters of mercury. Cardiopulmonary bypass and hyponatremia. No change in MAC from anesthetic metabolism, chronic alcohol abuse, gender, duration of anesthesia. PaCO2 of 15 to 95 mm of mercury. PO2 greater than 38 millimeters of mercury blood pressure greater than 40, hyperkalemia or hypokalemia, and thyroid gland dysfunction. MAC values for inhaled anesthetics are additive. For example, 0.5 MAC of nitrous oxide plus 0.5 MAC of isofluorine has the same effect on the brain as does a 1 MAC concentration of either anesthetic alone. This strict additivity of interactions among inhaled anesthetics implies either a common site of action or that anesthetic action occurs with only a small fraction of the binding sites occupied. Opioids synergistically decrease anesthetic requirements for volatile anesthetic. For example, 25 minutes after the administration of fentanyl, three microgram per kilogram, or six microgram per kilogram IV, MAC for desfluorine is decreased 48% and 68% respectively. Similar decreases for isofluorine MAC are also produced by these doses of fentanyl. Mechanisms of anesthetic action. The Meyer-Overton theory or critical volume hypothesis. Correlation between the lipid solubility of inhaled anesthetics or the oil gas partition coefficient and anesthetic potency has historically been presumed to be evidence that inhaled anesthetics act by disrupting the structure or dynamic properties of the liquid portions of nerve membranes. For example, when a sufficient number of molecules dissolved or the critical concentration in crucial hydrophobic sites such as lipid cell membranes there is a distortion of channels necessary for ion flux and the subsequent development of action potentials needed for synaptic transmission. Likewise changes in the lipid matrix produced by dissolved anesthetic molecules could alter the function of proteins in cell membranes thus decreasing sodium conductance. Evidence supporting distortion of sodium channels by dissolved anesthetic molecules is the observation that high pressures partially antagonize the action of inhaled anesthetics. The most compelling evidence against the meyerton overton theory of anesthesia is the fact that effects of inhaled anesthetics on the fluidity of lipid bilayers is implausibly small and generally mimicked by temperature changes of 1 degree Celsius. Furthermore, not all lipid-soluble drugs are anesthetics, and in fact, some are convulsants. For example, the observation that among N alcohols, dodecanol is an anesthetic and decanol is not suggests that anesthetic binding to protein pockets or clefts and not lipid membranes is important in the mechanism of anesthesia. Stereoselectivity The effects of inhaled anesthetics on ion channels responsible for neuronal action are readily readily demonstrated. The most definitive evidence that general anesthetics act by binding directly to proteins and not a lipid bilayer comes from the observations of stereoselectivity. Inhalation anesthetics exist as isomers and isofluorine has been shown to act stereoselectively on neuronal channels. There is evidence that molecular shape or bulkiness and size provide limited insight into the structure of the anesthetic site of action. Potential mediators of anesthetic action Ionotropic and meta- metabotropic receptors Neurotransmitters signal through two families of receptors designated as, as ionotropic and metabotropic. Ionotropic receptors are known as ligon-gated ion channels because a neurotransmitter binds directly to the ion channel proteins, and this interaction causes opening of the ion channels, allowing transmission of specific ions Resulting in changes of membrane potential. Ionotropic receptors are often composed of several subunits. The GABA A and nicotinic acetylcholine receptors are constructed from large families of evolutionary related subunits that come together to make pleomorphic receptors. Inhaled anesthetics do not seem to stimulate the release of endogenous opioids and do not suppress ventilatory responses to surgical stimulation at concentrations that suppress movement. Comparative pharmacology of gaseous anesthetic drugs Inhaled anesthetics evoke different pharmacological effects at comparable percentages of MAC concentrations, emphasizing that dose-response curves for these drugs are not necessarily parallel. Cerebral metabolic oxygen requirements are decreased in parallel with drug-induced decreases in cerebral activity. Drug-induced increases in cerebral blood flow may increase ICP in patients with space-occupying lesions. Volatile anesthetics and concentrations of less than 0.4 Mach similarly increase the frequency and voltage on the EEG. This enhancement is representative of the excitement stage of anesthesia. At about 0.4 MAC, there is an abrupt shift of high-voltage activity from posterior to anterior portions of the brain. Cerebral metabolic oxygen requirements also begin to decrease abruptly at about 0.4 Mach. It is likely that these changes reflect a transition from wakefulness to unconsciousness. Furthermore, amnesia probably occurs at this dose of volatile anesthetic. As the dose of volatile anesthetic approaches 1 MAC, the frequency on the EEG decreases and maximum voltage occurs. During administration of isoflurane, burst suppression appears on the EEG at about 1.5 MAC, and at 2 MAC, electrical silence predominates. Seizure activity. n fluorine can produce fast frequency and high voltage on the EEG that often progresses to spike wave activity. That is indistinguishable from changes that accompany a seizure. This EEG activity may be accompanied by tonic-clonic twitching of skeletal muscles in the face and extremities. Isoflurane does not evoke seizure activity on the EEG, even in the presence of deep levels of anesthesia, hypocapnia, or repetitive auditory stimulation. Desflurane and sevoflurane, like isoflurane, do not produce evidence of convulsive activity on the EEG. The administration of nitrous oxide may increase motor activity with the clonus and opsitonus even in clinically used concentrations. When nitrous oxide is administered in high concentrations in hyperbaric chamber, abdominal muscle rigidity, catatonic movements of extremities, and periods of skeletal muscle activity may alternate with periods of skeletal muscle relaxation, clonus, and opthetonus. Although very rare, tonic clonic seizure activity has been described after the administration of nitrous oxide to an otherwise healthy child. Evoked potentials, volatile anesthetics cause dose-related decreases in the amplitude and increases in the latency of the cortical component of the median nerve somatosensory evoked potentials, visual evoked potentials, and auditory evoked potentials. Decreases in amplitude are more marked than increases in latency mental function and awareness. By definition, inhaled anesthetics cause a loss of response to verbal command at MAC awake concentrations. Subtle effects on mental function, such as learning, may occur at lower anesthetic concentrations of 0.2 MAC. Gaseous anesthetics may not be equally effective in preventing awareness. For example, 0.4 MAC of isoflurane prevents recall and response to commands, whereas Nitrous oxide requires greater than 0.5 to 0.6 max to produce similar effects. Surgical stimulation may increase the anesthetic requirement to prevent awareness. Cerebral blood flow. Volatile anesthetics produce a dose-dependent increase in cerebral blood flow. The magnitude of this increase is dependent on the balance between the drug's intrinsic vasodilatory actions and vasoconstriction secondary to flow metabolism coupling. Volatile anesthetics administered during normocapnia in concentrations of greater than 0.6 MAC produce cerebral vasodilation, decreased cerebral vascular resistance, and resulting dose-dependent increases in cerebral blood flow. This drug-induced increase in cerebral blood flow occurs despite concomitant decreases in cerebral metabolic requirements. Sivofluorine has an intrinsic dose-dependent cerebrovasodilatory effect, but this effect is less than that of isofluorine. Desfluorine and isofluorine are similar in terms of increases in cerebral blood flow and the preservation of reactivity to carbon dioxide. Nitrous oxide also increases cerebral blood flow, but its restriction to concentrations of less than 1 MAC limits the magnitude of this change. In fact, nitrous oxide may be a more potent cerebral vasodilator than an equipotent dose of isoflurane alone in humans. Inhaled anesthetics produce a dose-dependent decrease in cerebral metabolic oxygen requirements that are greater during the administration of isoflurane than with an equivalent MAC concentration of halothane. When EEG becomes isoelectric, an additional increase in the concentration of the volatile anesthetics does not produce further decreases in cerebral metabolic oxygen requirements. Cerebral protection. In animals experiencing temporary focal temporary ischemia, there is no difference in neurologic outcome when cerebral function is suppressed by isofluorine or theopental. A systemic blood pressure is maintained. In humans undergoing carotid endorectomy, the cerebral blood flow at which ischemic changes appear on the EEG is lower during the administration of isofluorine than during influorine or halothane. Although neurologic outcome is not different based on the volatile and anesthetic administration, the data may suggest that isofluorine may offer a degree of cerebral protection from transient, incomplete, regional cerebral ischemia during carotid endorectomy. Isoflurane may blunt the necrotic process resulting from cerebral ischemia. Unchanged cerebral blood flow and decreased cerebral metabolic oxygen requirements during isoflurane-induced controlled hypotension for clipping of cerebral aneurysms indicates that global cerebral oxygen supply and demand balance is favorably altered in patients and anesthetized with this anesthetic. Inhaled anesthetics produce increases in ICP, that parallel increases in cerebral blood flow produced by these drugs. M-fluorine increases both the rate of production and the resistance to reabsorption of cerebrospinal fluid, which may contribute to sustained increases in ICP associated with administration of this drug. Conversely, isofluorine does not alter the production of CSF and, at the same time, decreases resistance to reabsorption. These observations are consistent with minimal increases in ICP observed during the administration of isoflurane. Increases in ICP associated with the administration of nitrous oxide presumably reflect increases in cerebral blood flow because enhanced production of CFF, CSF does not occur in the presence of this inhaled anesthetic. Halothane, isoflurane, desflurane, and sevoflurane produce similar and dose-dependent decreases in mean arterial pressure. When administered to healthy human volunteers. In contrast with volatile anesthetics, nitrous oxide produces either no change or a modest increases it, increase in systemic blood pressure. Isofluorine, desfluorine, and sevoflurane, but not halothane, increase heart rate when administered to healthy human volunteers. Halothane, but not isofluorine, desfluorine, and sevoflurane, produces dose dependent decreases in cardiac output when administered to healthy human volunteers. Halothane, isoflurane, and desflurane, but not sevoflurane, increase right atrial pressure or central venous pressure when administered to healthy human volunteers. Isoflurane, desflurane, and sevoflurane, but not halothane, decrease systemic vascular resistance when administered to healthy human volunteers. Volatile anesthetics appear to exert little or no predictable effect on pulmonary vascular smooth muscle. Conversely, nitrous oxide may produce increases in pulmonary vascular resistance that is exaggerated in patients with pre-existing pulmonary hypertension. Administration of a volatile anesthetic for 5 hours or longer is accompanied by recovery from cardiovascular depressant effects of these drugs. The ability of volatile anesthetics to decrease the dose of epinephrine necessary to evoke ventricular cardiac dysrhythmias is greatest with the alkane derivative halothane and minimal to non existent with the ether derivatives isofluorine, desflurane, and sevoflurane. Halothane, envluorine, and isofluorine prolong the QTC interval on the ECG in healthy patients. Likewise, theopental prolongs the QTC interval in healthy patients but has no effect in patients with long QTC syndrome. Isoflurane increases the refractoriness of accessory pathways in the AV conduction system, thus interfering with interpretation of pose-ablative studies used to determine successful ablation. Circulatory effects produced by volatile anesthetics during spontaneous breathing are different from those observed during normocapnia and controlled ventilation of the lungs. This difference this difference reflects the impact of sympathetic nervous system stimulation due to accumulation of carbon dioxide or respiratory acidosis and improved venous return during spontaneous breathing. In addition, carbon dioxide may have a direct relaxing effects on peripheral vascular smooth muscle. Volatile anesthetics induce coronary vasodilation by preferentially acting on vessels with diameters from 20 to 50 micrometers whereas adenosine, in addition, has a pronounced impact on the small precapillary arterioles. It has been suggested that isofluorine, as well as other cardio- coronary vasodilators, such as adenosine, diproridomol, and nitroprusside, preferentially dilate the small coronary resistance coronary vessels, would be capable of redistributing blood from ischemic to non-ischemic areas, producing the phenomenon known as coronary steel syndrome. Nevertheless, this phenomenon is not clinically significant in volatile anesthetics, including isoflurane are cardioprotective. Inhaled anesthetics produce a dose-dependent and drug-specific effect on the pattern of breathing, venillary response to carbon dioxide, venillary response to arterial hypoxemia, and airway resistance. The PaO2 predictably declines during administration of inhaled anesthetics in the absence of supplemental oxygen. Decrease or drug-induced inhibition of hypoxic pulmonary vasoconstriction, as a mechanism for this decrease in oxygenation, has not been confirmed during one-lung ventilation in patients breathing halothane or isoflurane. Changes in intra-op PaO2 and the incidence of post-op pulmonary complications are not different in patients anesthetized with halothane, influrane, or isoflurane. Inhaled anesthetics, except for isoflurane, produce a dose-dependent increase in the frequency of breathing. Tidal volume is decreased in association with anesthetic-induced increases in the frequency of breathing. The net effect of these changes is a rapid and shallow breathing pattern. Volatile anesthetics produce a dose-dependent depression of ventilation characterized by decreases in the ventilatory response to carbon dioxide and increases in PaCO2. Surgical stimulation increases minute ventilation by 40% because of increases in tidal volume and frequency of breathing. All inhaled anesthetics, including nitrous oxide, profoundly depress the ventilatory response to hypoxemia that is normally mediated by the carotid bodies. Risk factors for developing bronchospasm during anesthesia, including young age, perioperative respiratory infection and endotracheal intubation and in presence of COPD. Nevertheless, isofluorine and sebofluorine produce bronchodilation in patients with COPD. Sevoflurane causes moderate bronchodilation that is not observed in patients receiving desfluorine or theopentyl. Bronchoconstriction produced by desfluorine is most likely to occur in patients who smoke. Administration of fentanyl 1 microgram per kilogram IV or morphine 100 microgram per kilogram IV prior to the inhalation induction with desflurane and nitrous oxide significantly decreases airway irritability associated with desflurane. After tracheal intubation, in patients with, without asthma, sevoflurane decreases airway resistance as much or more than isoflurane. In patients receiving 1.5% end-tidal isoflurane, Total hepatic blood flow and hepatic artery blood flow was maintained while portal vein blood flow was increased, confirming that isoflurane was a vasodilator of the hepatic circulation, providing beneficial effects on hepatic oxygen delivery. In contrast, halothane acts as a vasoconstrictor. In another report, patients receiving 1-MAC isoflurane plus nitrous oxide demonstrated increases in hepatic blood flow and an increase in hepatic venous oxygen saturation. Hepatic blood flow during administration of DES and SIVO is maintained similar to isoflurane. Post-operative liver dysfunction has been associated with most volatile anesthetics with halothene, halothene receiving the most attention. Injected and inhaled anesthetics studied in the hypoxic rat model that includes enzyme induction may produce central lobar necrosis, but the incidence is greatest with halothene. It is likely that inadequate hepatocyte oxygenation is the principal mechanism responsible for hepatic dis- dysfunction. This is called halothane hepatitis. Volatile anesthetics produce similar dose-related decreases in renal blood flow, GFR, and urine output. These changes are not a result of the release of argon vasopressin hormone, but rather most likely reflect the effects of volatile anesthetics on systemic blood pressure and cardiac output. Pre-op hydration attenuates or abolishes many of the changes in renal function associated with volatile anesthetics. Ether derivative fluorinated volatile anesthetics produce skeletal muscle relaxation that is about two-fold greater than associated with comparable dose of halothane. Nitrous oxide does not relax skeletal muscles, and in doses of greater than 1 MAC, delivered in hyperbaric chamber, it may produce skeletal muscle rigidity. All volatile anesthetics, including desfluorine and sevoflurane, can, tr- can trigger malignant hypothermia in genetically susceptible patients, even in the absence of concomitant administration of succinylcholine. Volatile anesthetics produce similar and dose-dependent decreases in uterine smooth muscle contractility and blood flow. These changes are modest at 0.5 MAC, which are analgesic concentrations, and become substantial at concentrations greater than 1 MAC nitrous oxide does not alter uterine contractility in doses used to provide analgesia during vaginal delivery. As such, nitrous oxide is particularly useful in obstetrical anesthesia to reduce the need to volatile anesthetic that promotes uterine acne while avoiding opioids and benzodiazepines that may cause prolonged depression of the newborn. Many normal functions of the immune system are depressed after patient exposure to the combination of anesthesia and surgery. However, inhaled anesthetics, particularly nitrous oxide, produce a dose-dependent inhibition of polymorphonuclear leukocytes and their subsequent migration for phagocytosis, which is necessary for the inflammatory response to infection. Nevertheless, decreased resistance to bacterial infection due to inhaled anesthetics seems unlikely, considering the duration of administration and the dose of these drugs. Furthermore, when leukocytes reach the site of infection, their ability to phagocytize bacteria appears to be normal. Total body oxygen requirements are decreased by similar amounts by different volatile anesthetics. The oxygen requirements of the hearts decrease more than those of other organs, reflecting drug-induced decreases in cardiac work associated with decreases in systemic blood pressure and myocardial contractility. Therefore, decreased oxygen requirements would protect tissues from ischemia rather than... Therefore, decreased oxygen requirements would protect tissues from ischemia that might result from decreased oxygen delivery due to drug-induced decreases in perfusion pressure. Decreases in total body oxygen requirements probably reflect metabolic depressant effects as well as decreased function needs in the presence of anesthetic-produced depression of organ function.